You Can Hack It, Episode 7, Barriers to Play. One, two, three, Android, are you ready? Come on. You are listening to You Can Hack It, an RPG podcast about how you can hack it, both as a player and GM, and also how to add, replace, or modify rules. I'm John. And I'm Kyle. Each show will be starting off with a discussion about a hack which we've created, witnessed, or been involved in some way. So now, Kyle, should we get to the hack? On to hack. Warning. You Can Hack It has a lot of profanity. I'd have to say it's been a bit of a gaming cataclysm. Don't you agree? Uh, <laughs> I mean, good shit, man. We haven't played anything. That's a catastrophe, catastrophe, John. A catastrophe? Yeah. We came up the other day, yeah. Nothing. I mean, come on. In the last couple of weeks, game after game has been cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. Crazy shit's happening all over the place. I mean, not crazy, but frustrating stuff. It's it's unfortunate for the most part. And poor planning on the other hand for some of that as well. Uh, which yeah. which happens. And when that sort of stuff happens, you start thinking about, man, what am I going to do with my Monday and Tuesday nights? I mean, I don't this Monday and Tuesday night, Monday game is cancelled. The Tuesday game may be cancelled, might be not be cancelled, it's totally up in the air. Uh, you know, we're getting into the December, and I think that has part to do with it. But also, like I said, it's been very busy, very hectic for certain people. And it's unfortunate that the games are sort of... Uh, taking the it in the chin as a result of it. Yes, yes it is. So have um, you played anything? I did get a uh, fourth ed D&D game in on a late Sunday night, which meant I had very little sleep that night. Wow. It was fun, but I looked on the table and I realized about I probably was having the most fun everybody because I was enjoying the tactical, uh, tactical aspect, but I was just having fun with the character I'd created. I just created a really fun, entertaining character, which I got to really dig into. And other people were like, eh, just sort of trying to be tactical, not really caring, wishing they were playing a video game instead, I'd even say. That is a danger with uh, Fourth Ed. It's not enough to just want to be tactical, it's also good to have a point of being tactical. Like some sort of goal or something in mind has a lot to do with it. I'm with you, man. I mean, in my case, I did play some D&D last weekend? trying to remember, I think so. And that was fun. I mean, it was uh, that was more of a regular game that I played uh, during yes. not late Sunday night, but, but Sunday Saturday afternoon. That was fun. It was good. We're doing um, yeah, the um, the sequel to the Keep of the Shadowfell. I can't remember what it's called. It's one oh. of the one of the pre-published adventures. It's okay. You, can, you know, you get the the issues with the pre-published. But the biggest thing I should probably mention is what I did last night. Want to know what I did last night? Kind of do now. All right. I went to a vampire live-action role-playing game. Which could be good, but I know half the people who would be there, or numerous people who would be there, so honestly, I feel sorry for you. The uh, The game is called Fred by Night. It's a um, it's a game set in Manitoba's Gimli, and, and if, oh, if yes. you know anything about Manitoba, which you probably don't, Gimli is this tiny little fishing village, but for the purposes of the game, it's turned into this giant metropolis of a million people plus, and that's, like, utterly ridiculous. But, you know, I mean, I could pretend to be an elf, I could pretend that Gimli is a metropolis, that's fine. The Vampire, it's, it's, not, it's not the recent game, it's the, uh, it's the third edition uh, of the old World of Darkness. I wanted to join because LARP has always been interesting to me. Mm. And even though I really hate the um, the system of 
the old World of Darkness live action Mind's Eye Theater, I think throwing rock, paper, scissors is retarded in the extreme, simply because people can read chops, like the, the rock, paper, scissors thing, and, and as a result, you will lose against certain people because they do the, they, they count at one, two, and then before they do three, they watch you, and they slow down their final thing to see what your hand gesture is. I got over that, I, I realized just the last couple of weeks, some game came up, some sort of thing, we, like, we couldn't decide, so rock, paper, scissors. What I did was, I closed my eyes. Yes, and I think that if you do, if you both people do that, yes. it's way better because then you get a more randomized result. I mean, people have patterns, sure, but it's not pattern matching. People li literally slow down and watch to see what your fingers are doing. And it removes and make it's that is the intention of it. It's supposed to be a randomization, just like dice is random. Yeah, I, I actually thought I always thought the card system in the Call of Cthulhu LARP was a little bit better because you you would take two cards, and then you'd reveal them, and depending on what everyone else's cards are, it would determine whether you attacked or defended or stuff. I understand pack cards is difficult to hold around, but I wanted to go because I was kind of bored, and I thought, let's take a look and remember how it felt like, because there's a certain interest in watching a game occurring all around you that you're not really part of. There's all this other stuff happening. I mean, there's 25 players in this game which is much lower than it used to be, but still pretty high in terms of people. And they're all around you doing all this stuff, and you're just kind of sitting there and kind of in there. And it's I enjoyed that aspect of it until I actually had to engage the mechanics, and then I, I hated it a lot. But I I think I might go back again. It is I mean, the amount of involvement in my case is very low. I'm more looking at it as a sort of watching people or people watching sort of thing. But it was fun. I chewed up scenery. I actually got player of the game. It was quite fun. I was surprised. Oh, wow. Yeah, I played a character who was a cross between a certified general accountant and a used car salesman. I had slick back hair and I wore my suit because, I mean, what else can you do with your suit once you bought it? It just, uh, sits, in the, just sits in there. I wore it. Good use. Passed around a bunch of uh, business cards and, and my goal was to get all the business cards handed out over the course of the evening. I, I, I had two left. But I interacted with everybody. I was talking to them. I was smiling and laughing and engaging and they were like... I was kind of trying to engage with people and see what would happen. And it was interesting. Uh, it was very interesting. People didn't know what to make of me, and I think that's why I got played the game, because they're like, why are you talking to me? You're supposed to be in the corner, glaring? Because that's how it goes. The application of social skills as a regular person would apply it, and that's the thing, with live-action role-playing games, it's supposed, like, you ask your werewolf or a vampire, but the idea is that you were, were, were a person, I think? Yes, at and one you point. Still, at one point, and you still have these social skills, and you still have these memories and experiences, and you're not wiping those out, where in live action you tend to have an attraction of people who just don't have those social skills to begin with. Or their social skills are negative. Like their social skills are like bad social skills that they picked up yeah. over the years. And, and there are and there is some in that game, there is some actually really okay people in that game. Yeah. There, is a, there is a degree of, of individual that is very difficult to deal with and I just simply don't deal with them. Sort of thing, but I, I really found it to be fascinating and a little boring, yeah. and that's pretty much what I expected. I got what I wanted out of it. I wasn't doing anything else that evening. I kind of was out of, out of sorts. I did that, and then afterwards, I went and did some karaoke with uh, some friends of mine, and that was that was hell of fun. Oh, I need to do that soon. I really would love to do some the karaoke. muse, like like right next to the. Uh, the, where you guys go and play yeah, the game. Yeah, I want to go that there. That place is really good, and it's hilarious. Oh. I mean, it's a Korean place, so the, all of the music videos are in Korean, and they make no sense. 
I gotta go. At Let's set the all. time then. Go. Yeah, you should totally go. We should do it sometime. Just want to say our, you know, mediocre view on live action role playing is not to say all live action role playing LARPs are bad. Our personal experiences are just reflected and here. And we have a lot of experience with these LARP games. And we've had, I mean, I play through good and I play through bad. There are some definite advantages in the fact that you are, like, it's essentially a big party. But the problem with it, of course, is that is that when you have a party, uh, the problem is you don't have as much control over who's invited. And that can be problematic. Yes. So yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, that's yeah. all that's happened for me. And yeah. that's, I think that's all that's happened for you. I play a D&D game, and the same thing with the, the their Primetime Adventures game. And I would love to play some more, pro one more game left in the, the season for Primetime Adventures. I want to get that last episode and be done, and be like, done, finished, we are finished it, and we excellent, go us, and we get some sort of achievement award. It's great. That's my hope. So Now, <laughs> now after we've established our hope, uh, let's establish the hack. Let's do it. Fit all the gaming podcasts you possibly can inside your head with RPGpodcasts.com. God damn it, we haven't played. We haven't played. Yeah, fuck that shit. It's uh, so annoying, and it's so awful, and it's this crazy barrier that we have in front of us. How do we get into a situation where we can finally play the games that we want to play so badly? Are you and saying that's a barrier to play? It is a barrier to play. That's one hell of a segue. <laughs> High five. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so so what's, what are we talking about here? Kyle, what, is a, what are the three barriers to play we're going to be talking about? Well, we're going to talk about learning space that you need to play, as well as time. As well as like organizing scheduling is learning by time. Yeah. And these three things, I think, are probably where things get tripped up the most, where problems occur, is that space and time have to get figured out first, but they're also the most important. But So I want to talk about learning initially, and then get on to the more important stuff. Because I think a lot of the stuff with learning uh, we're going to talk about has actually already been covered in previous episodes. Episodes five about. and six. Yeah. So uh, let's start probably the first piece that is a barrier to getting a game done, and that I think is learning. I think we should talk a little bit about when you're dealing with a game, the two major sort of sort of things that that, that that tend to come up. I think that the biggest barriers when it comes to learning is games that have an incredible amount of mechanical rule sets to them. Also, there's games that have incredible incredible amount of narrative creativity. There's just so much onus on the players to come up with ideas or contribute. And it's not that there's rules heavy that you look in the book to find out what to do, but you have to just create an idea or create a situation or create an expectation. Some of that is thinking on your feet. And I think that that is something that is not well... That's a muscle that's not well exercised for players. It is a muscle that is quite well exercised, I think, by GMs. Because traditionally, it has always been the case for a dungeon master or a game master has to come up with things to challenge the players. Well, in the case of certain games, and I think we should use some examples for this, because it, it's nice to sort of to sort of create that sort of example piece. A game that has very little mechanical rule sets to keep in mind, but has an incredible responsibility of narrative creativity, has to be Primetime Adventures. Yes, and most of us are quite familiar with it. I, or, Many people in the, the gaming community are more familiar with it than many other indie games. And if you've talked, if you listen to any of our episodes, we talk about it constantly. So it does uh, come into play. <laughs> yes. Everything from tokens all the way up to learning, and I mean, it's, we've been talking about it all the way through. But there's a game that has a very simple card mechanic and a very simple economy of tokens. 
of Saturnalia, but the amount of requirement for the individual player to sit down, give the GM three things. To, and the GM has to take that and work with them. The GM cannot sit down and create the game beforehand. He is actually not allowed to do that in the rules of the game. If he does create a game beforehand, he will either have to throw it all away, or he's playing a different game. He's not playing Primetime Adventures anymore. It, what does it limits the player's creativity, which is the point of the game, is that these players themselves, as well as the producer, are creating this world together, they're creating these ideas together. So the creativity in this case is essentially unlimited, and that's a scary place to be in. To sit down and say to the next player, okay, what are the three elements that are going to be in this scene? What is What kind of scene it is? Character or plot? Is it about people? Is it about the, sh the, sh the shit going on? And people freeze up. And then from there, you got to say, okay, who's involved? Where is the location? And what's it about? One of the barriers to play sometimes is a, the person trying to create the idea, obviously trying to come up with the ideas themselves, but B, when to know to help that player, because it can be, you can take suggestions. You can. But the problem, of course, is knowing when you should take suggestions. If someone's sitting there thinking and they're trying to think of something cool, because they, and this comes back into the thing I was talking about where you, you want to think of the perfect thing that makes everybody think you're awesome. That amount of focus on you, for some people, especially like Shire people, is very demoralizing because they don't want to be the center of attention. They want to just sit in the corner. They want to be in the background. They don't want to be involved. And, and with introverts, uh, extreme introverts, this is possibly the worst thing you could do to them. And I think for some players, these games are the most complicated because of the fact of the demands placed on them socially. And a lot of these demands placed on them is, it's not easily remedied, really. It's a matter of just being socially aware of when to help, I, th I think. Uh, so I, I think that Graham Walmsley, who did a really excellent book called Play Unsafe, as I said, he's a bit of a jerk online, but he's a great writer, said something very interesting about when you're doing something like this, when you're creating scenes, when you're creating a character, try to be boring. Try to just say whatever logically comes next. Don't think of the cool, awesome, crazy thing that's going to happen, uh, you want to instead be like, okay, my character is going home and he's going to talk to his family. And then have a scene come from that. You're trying to deal with logical pro progression, and if you do that, it creates a better ground for ideas to sort of emerge. You play into your issue that's on your character sheet. You think about, okay, my issue is overconfidence. I'm going to investigate the abandoned building alone. Logical simple. You don't have to create all kinds of craziness. You just have to think of a logical point where the, where the story could go, where the character could go, what the character may be doing, and try to be boring in that sort of sense. I think that makes sense. As well, we're talking about the logical, temporal, what comes next. I find when I, myself, I'm doing this, I'm thinking character-wise, what's the next step for the character for his progression? And so I think it, I think both apply. And both apply. Both can be uh, can be used together as well. Uh, sometimes temporally, you maybe going to the next scene is like falling going to bed. You know, well that's not. But what in the morning next morning or the next afternoon? That's when the important thing will happen. Right. It's, you want to go to the next situation that you deem is important rather the plot or the character. That's when the mailman comes by with an unpleasant letter. And you go from there. There are other games that have a lot of this. Grey Ranks has an incredible amount of requirements. It does give you three or four things you can pick from in a list. You take those things from the list, and you have to try and create a scene from them. And that's hard. 
that kind of creative thinking on your feet for some people, as I said, is very difficult and is a muscle that has to be worked. And I think I think there's an element of trust involved in this too. When you're learning how to do that, you have to be in an environment where your ideas are going to be fostered and you can't have a lot of negativity. You can't have someone say, no, that's stupid. If someone says, no, that's stupid, it's basically slapping you in the face of their penis. Yes. Um, and and cop slaps are no problem. And you want to have that environment, like John was saying, that you're not going to have, have, you know, be cock slapped. And I'm just saying, you know, for someone uh, who that uh, way, went to boarding school. Okay, got awkward. Go on. That, <laughs> say this. I was a little awkward. Uh, that way, you can learn. And that's what it's about. It's about there is a barrier here to learning, but you will learn and you will become better at it. I don't care how bad you are at coming up with ideas or flexing your creative muscle. You will get better. It just takes practice and time to get into that kind of mind space. It is something you can do. It is something you can learn. I think that's very good. As, and as long as you're willing, the person's willing to learn and willing, willing to engage in the creative process. The willingness, I would say, then that, of course, the person will not. If the know. person is not willing to engage in the, in the in this piece, then there should be some discussion as to whether you want to play this kind of game. The expectations is crazy about this. If you're not enjoying a game, don't play that game, or find a play, or find a way to enjoy it, or or just try to try to go with it. There are a lot of games out there now. Exactly, and if everybody wants to play this game, you either find a way to enjoy the game as well, or excuse yourself from it. And I wish it was easier to do than I said it, than, than me saying it, and it should be, but it, uh, it it isn't. And we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about that. Uh, should we move on to the yes, other half of on. this? The other half of this is mechanics heavy. To be honest, we went into this in a great deal of detail in episodes 5 and 6. The Gaming 101 and the Gaming 102 episodes with Jeff were really good about learning mechanics. We talked about the mathematics of getting that mentality into mind, of chunking the information. You're putting things together. Let's talk about movement. It's all about the movement. Let's talk about hitting someone. It's all about hitting something. Let's talk about skills. It's all about skills. And individual chunks of information. You get it. You learn it. You got it. You get it. You learn it. You got it. We talked all about that in episodes five and six. I'm not sure there's much more we need to say about that, but that is a significant barrier. I think one of the barriers to this as well is if not everybody has the books to learn with. What if you're learning D&D and there's one player's handbook and the GM has it? You're like, well, I don't know how I'm going to learn this game if I don't have the book. What are solutions to that? And that's about others teaching you. Exactly. And I, but the problem with that is, of course, is, uh, again, some people don't learn, as Jeff said, some people don't learn well being taught. They learn better by reading. Certain people have different preferences. And let's say we only, you only have one book and a person learns better by reading. You need to make sure that person has lent the book in, inter, uh, in between game sessions or before the game starts. They have a chance to read it and be familiar with it. Yeah, I think and creating a library uh, of library. Uh, shared gaming books between okay. a group is a great idea. Yeah, I was even going to say you said library. I thought, yeah, some libraries even carry role-playing books. Some of them do. I, I have had difficulty finding a lot of role-playing materials. They don't have a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And I don't really know why. I would love to ask. My, Apparently uh, you can request. I've heard that before. People have yeah. done that. For in fact, there's a well, quite a while ago podcast um, where somebody had mentioned that uh, I, this is a, like a year ago. This to a podcast that they, somebody had mentioned they'd actually went to the library and asked, and they got it in. In some cases as well, I know that there are online options. Again, you don't want to go with the illegal options. I think that's kind of kind of bullshit. These people have worked on their stuff, and you should you should buy it legally. But I mean, even uh, I remember the the system resource document, the SRD. 
of the old D20 system. That was online free to, free to read for anyone. And I know that for, there are some forum access as well. We talked about this again, retreading information, but uh, go online, see what's out there in terms of information for questions to answer, for excerpts to sort of look out for, for things to, to sort of figure out. Be willing to lend out your book. If you, if you own the only copy of the, the you know, Prime Adventures or whatever game you're playing, be willing to, uh, to bow to others. And if you're not willing to lend out your book, you should examine why you're not willing to lend out the book. If you want people to be interested in, your, in the game you want to run or you want to be playing in, people need to know about it. You need to spread the love by bowing your book around. And in that way, you're able to learn how the game works. And I think, by all and large, everyone sitting at the table should expect a rocky start. I have never played a game in which there isn't one. When you're first learning how to play a game, the first two sessions are going to be, bah, I don't know, flip, 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 blah, I don't know, flip, flip, flip. And, that's, and I think that if people come into a game and don't expect that, they're being, un, they're being unreasonable. I think it's there is a certain amount of learning curve. You, you can learn as much as you want beforehand, but when you sit down and actually play, there's going to be some hitches and hiccups, and the first one, two, depending on how long you play, but maybe three sessions, there's going to be some difficulty. Roll with it. Yeah, I think that's coming to social expectations. We'll deal with it. God, we just keep hitting that. So well, I, I want to move more on to, like, space. Oh, see, this is, a, this is a more straightforward one. Role-playing takes space. Space just for bodies. You have probably three. Now, two, two, role play, two people role-playing together, like lone wolf kind of stuff. One-on-one -on -one playing is, is not as common. But usually you have three people, or four people, or five people. That's a lot of bodies. You have to get seated down somewhere comfortable. What, are, what, are, what do we use most of the time? We hope to use a table with chairs around it. That's the ideal, I think. But more often than not, it tends to be TV trays, which again, if we mentioned this before in other episodes, if you're sharing it, not so good. It's really nice to have an actual table to sit down at with enough room for yourself. You have to use your lap, that's the least like, because you, if you have dice especially, things roll around. If you have coins even, I found like having little tokens sometimes, they fall into chairs, they, they slide off the book. Yeah, and we talked about this with uh, physical representations of, imagined, uh, of imagination, where if you're dealing with a token card, like a token-heavy game and a lot of dice, then without a table, it is absolutely a nightmare to play. And in some cases, the annoyance of play outstrips the actual fun of play. And I, I mean, playing 4th edition D&D without a proper table it gets real close to being overwhelmingly awful because I can't... The, the, the character sheet on the lap is, 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 is just not fun for me. At all. And if there is four, three, four, five of you, one of you probably has the ideal location to use. Obviously, there are barriers as well as this. Yeah, and this is the problem with space, is because usually, depending on how old you are, I mean, we're, we're, we're in our late 20s, early 30s, uh, um, mid to late 20s. Late 20s. You're late 20s now? Yeah, good, good stuff. <laughs> uh, if you have your own place, great. If you have a family, then you have to deal with that. For example, my brother has a family, so he, we have to deal with that. We have to be aware that we need to keep our voices down. We need to be aware that we're in an area that is trafficked and occupied by people who aren't playing this game. Also, trying to choose an environment that has the least distractions. Exactly. If you have a TV on, it's game over. It's so distracting. 
I think that also things like music, maybe in other rooms and stuff, can be really distracting as well. People talking, like every, someone else having a conversation that's not involved in the game, that can be really distracting. In fact, it's really distracting. If you're playing outside, if it's really cold out, that's probably not such a hot plan. For example, Winnipeg is not really outside friendly unless you're planning on putting on a parka and putting on some skates in the month of November and December. So where you play has to be a comfortable space. Now, we've talked about people's places. We've talked about the places, and I think one of the things you, you need to sort of be aware of when you're in other people's places is keep in mind that if you want to continue going to that place, you should be really respectful. And I think uh, I have a, a little axiom. The law of conservation of gamer space. If you're hosting and five people are coming to your apartment, house, wherever, and they sit down and they hang out, things are going to happen. And if there's a spill or of whether chips or drinks or food or whatever, or someone breaks a chair accidentally, something like that, that's something the host has to deal with. As a guest, there are certain things that you should be doing. But I but, think that the most important thing to remember is when you're dealing with gamer space, you want to be able to come back. And the, the law of conservation of gamer space is simple. It's the same rule as dealing with campsites. You leave a campsite better than you received it. You make it a little bit better than it was before. And that way, you maintain the campsites, you maintain those things, and you have a better environment for everyone to enjoy. I've actually thought about this recently as applies to like dinner parties and things like that. And how, you Absolutely. know, you, you host, you cook all the food, you host the place, you feed everybody, and then you left the dishes. Well, I've actually been to social parties, and I remember growing up at my grandparents' or other places where I go for meals, where, I, you know, you'd have dinner, you'd relax a little bit, and then you'd do the dishes. That was part of the whole social event. And this seems to be lost, or it seems to not exist anymore. I want to re-implement that. I want to and do I think, that more. I think you have to. I, I think it is It is um, in the extreme rude to just come in, eat some food, and then leave. And I, I think you think... should, at the very least, clear the table, or at the very you know, at the very least, offer to. And I know some hosts are like, no, 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 I'll do everything. I must do everything. And in that case, it can be difficult. But if you're coming in every single week, you have to break that shit down because it's no longer a dinner party, it's something regular, and you have to talk to the host and say, listen, we're putting you under a lot of strain, and I know you're okay with it, but I'm not okay with it. You know, Can we make some sort of deal to, to help clean up? Because, I mean, resentment will build, and I just don't want that to happen in any gaming situation. You know, I do the dishes, I put things away, I make sure that I don't have any of my, any, any mess left over in any way, shape, or form. And you're really good at prompting others, John, too. Well, I, I do it. I, I think and just, just by doing it, you prompt yeah. them. And yeah. that, it reminds them. And that, that reminds all people generally need. Yeah, and I think they realize it. They're like, oh, man, that's a lot of dishes that we would have just left otherwise Yes. for someone else to do. And then that person's like, well, I don't really want to host anymore if I'm going to deal with a whole bunch of dirty dishes. And why would they? You have to be respectful. And I think that uh, that comes into a lot of, of maintaining the space, especially if you want to start taking that space elsewhere. Like, your friends may have a very long sense of, you know, patience about that sort of thing, but guess who it's not going to have a patience about that sort of thing? A community center. If you leave a community center room, like, filthy or dirty or messy, they're not going to let you go back. And that's one of some of the other places I want to talk about. If you live in an area that has a community center, you can rent rooms in the community center to use. I know that there are a couple in parts of Winnipeg where they have these community centers. You have these little rooms. You can rent them for an evening. 
universities are a great example as well. Even high schools, you can actually rent out places. If you have some sort of contact or in, I know that if you have a student card for universities, it's incredibly cheap and sometimes even free. So there's other options other than just people's homes. And especially if you want to avoid the responsibility of hosting or nobody wants to host, or you don't have the space available, you can find space. Gaming stores are another example. And again, the same axiom applies. You have to respect the location you're in. If you're going to a gaming store and you're going to play there, talk to the, the gaming store owner to make sure it's, it's okay. You have to buy something. As a group, you have to buy something in that store. If you, and it's not a question of, of have to as in it's in the rules. It might be. fast, But you should buy something because then he'll let you come back the next time. If you are frequent customers already, especially, and you're using the space, like, and you, you, you do continue to buy stuff, I don't think we're saying at that exact moment you necessarily have to buy something. I think you should. You I, think you I, think should? You should. Okay. I think even if it's a pack of dice or something, I think you should buy something. If you're going to go there and sit down and play, for everyone puts together a, a collection of like five, ten bucks, buy some dice. At least they see, see, see some return in your investment, and he's welcoming you coming back every single time because that's money in his pocket. I think, yes, you should come in, you should you should buy some stuff and then sit down, and he's happy, she's happy. And I think that especially would be important if you don't normally frequent the store, or you're just starting to frequent the store, to establish that you're not just loitering in a space, basically, that you, in fact, are a paying customer and willing to willing to help his business to use the space, or exactly. her space, I should exactly. say, his, him or her. The last one point is time. Mm -hmm. what is time, when we're talking about scheduling, and getting people together, maybe not even on a set time per week, but sometimes we, it's nice to have a schedule. Just like you go to work every day, just like you know you have a, whatever your yoga class every week. It's nice to have a gaming night every week or a night where people get together to play a certain game. That structure is really nice. And I know for myself, I would enjoy it as much. Actually, I enjoy it more than going to a yoga class. Let's say, for example, like, and people get enjoyment out of that. I don't as much. I don't know about you, but you know, I tried yoga. I was kind of afraid of it, but, but uh, I, get, I get the general <laughs> idea you're talking about. Yes, we're uh, when you become when you get older, uh, time becomes the most precious commodity you have. Over the course of a week, I have a very set amount of time that I can spend to do the things I want to do. If I don't know when I'm playing a role-playing game, I'm not going to play a role-playing game because I cannot make time to play it unless I have it scheduled. I have an appointment book that I fill in with my professional obligations and my personal obligations to make sure I can attend them. And they should be given the same amount of emphasis because your personal and professional time are both very important. I want to make a comment which you fully agree with. Fuck you if you say it is just a game. There is an investiture of time in role-playing that is significant. You are talking about probably three hours likely more if you if you have time it can certainly take up more time but three hours i think is a comfortable minimum of play with three hours of time i can do other things three hours of time is essentially an evening because i can't play past playing past 10 30 is hard for me these days it's really difficult and i have to be on board for tomorrow morning because i teach and being a teacher you have to be awake and not falling asleep in the middle of class which i've done oh terrible the point being if you say, oh, it's, I'm going to cancel because it's just a game, what you've just said, and this is just, this is just me talking, is you've just said, hey, guys, i got something better to do than hang out with you. So go fuck yourself. And that's what I hear. Now, cancellations because terrible shit's happened or 
you know, something in, something important has come up, okay, that's fine. Oh, it happens, yeah. Dude, I'm sorry, my car is broken down and I'm trapped in some tiny little podunk town. My wife is having her baby right now. Exactly. Yeah. I fell down and I'm hurt. I have the swine flu. Yes, okay, sure, absolutely, these things happen. But for someone to say, yeah, you know, something came up. Something came up. It doesn't fly. It doesn't. I think that I think that dismissing these social engagements because they're just games is an incredibly disrespectful thing to do to the other people at the table. You made an agreement to come on these days, and for you to cancel that agreement, you better have a damn good fucking reason. It's a social arrangement. And if I said to you, John, let's go for coffee on Tuesday. Let's make it a Tuesday every day. We're going for coffee at. 10 o'clock, we'll just see each other. If I just don't show up, you'll be pissed off at me. Because I'm like, or what if the I hell? Say, it's just coffee. You'd be like, what? But we, this is our thing. We hang out together. We do this. And, yeah, you're like, why, you're just and, and why didn't you just call me and say you couldn't make it if something came up? And if something, and again, if something came up, it better be important. If it's like, guys, I'm sorry, but work has kicked my ass. That's okay. You should have a good reason. You shouldn't be like, eh, I'm kind of tired. If that's your reason, you should... You should be respectful enough to say, I no longer want to be invested in this game, or I no longer want to, want to attend, or I no longer want to run the game, depending on your position in the game. Exactly. And I think that, that you are also responsible for your level of, like, if you're tired, examine why you are tired. If you, because if you have an, a, a scheduled game on Tuesday, and you decide to party up Monday night, you made that decision, sir, and other people have to pay for it. I think that there is a sense of selfishness that happens sometimes in this sort of thing, the sense of, being myopic and only looking into your own personal sphere, and I think that that is incredibly unfair. And for some reason in role-playing, it happens quite a bit. And on top of it all, I would say that I want to have fun, and this is why I'm choosing to role-play, because I really enjoy it, and I find yes. it's the best choice for me to have fun is to choose this evening to do this. And when you say that you can't make it, oh, I can't make it today, I just don't feel like it, I could have scheduled some other fun thing to do. But now at last minute, this is very difficult for me to, and what you say is maximize my fun, maximize my time. Exactly right. And that means that your evening is now unstructured. And if you had invested to go into this, to, to play this game this evening, it's canceled. And you, especially if there's no short, if there's no notice, if you have a couple of days of notice, I'm a little more lenient. I think, I think saying, listen, guys, on such and such a day, I can't play that two or three days in the future. But if you call like the day of, or if you say to guys, sorry guys, I can't make it the day of, again, that has simply destroyed my evening, because now I have to try and find something else to do. I like being productive in my evenings. I don't like sitting around uh, eating Cheetos. I think that's lame. I want to do something, because time is precious. Even if sometimes my time is spent doing solitary stuff, I schedule time for that as well, because you have to. Yes. If these things get cancelled, it's screwing up your fun and you have to own up to that when you're do when you're making that kind of decision and i think that it is something by dismissing it's just a game you are also saying it's just your three hours uh go fuck yourself is, is what i hear people say that i think it's uh i think it is a, an incredibly disrespectful thing to say to people who have taken time aside from their busy schedules to congregate and play and i think that's a really important thing to do congregate get together and, uh, this, I think, could be defined as a, a barrier to play. As a barrier to play, what it is is people not respecting other people 
and people who don't really want to be there. Or they want to be there for different reasons. They want to yes. be there to hang out with their friends. They don't want to be there to play a game. And I think that can be a reason, but there should be other reasons. You should be there wanting to play, wanting to be with your friends, but having a very clear purpose. And this is what drives me crazy because, I mean, when, you're, when you talk about team sports, if you if you were show up for bowling, then your bowling team is out of person, and that sucks. And for some reason, that's given more emphasis. If you say to someone, if you miss a, an important soccer game or an important baseball game, and someone just goes, oh, it's just a game, yeah, tell your team that, who are now down a person and had to deal with that. Again, that's the same amount of emphasis, I think, as with a role-playing game. And why should soccer be more important than a role-playing game? I can say soccer is just a game. I'd be dismissing it brutally, and I would not be paying fair homage to that as a sport. Yeah. As you should, people should pay respect to role-playing as they want to engage in. And as a legitimate pastime yes. that you are committing to. And if you cannot commit to it, then you shouldn't commit to it. We have talked about... Now, this as one of the barriers to play is time, but we talked about scheduling and mainly our beef with people cancelling, but really a barrier to play is people's busy schedules and time. Which is why scheduling is important. And I think that weekly schedules are probably... You either want to do weekly or monthly. Uh, I'm, I'm, I found that every two-week schedules are get really messed up really quickly. People organize months and their weeks in such a very specific way. But I find it much easier if I say, Monday nights, spoken for. Every Monday night, I go and do this thing. It becomes way easier to schedule. Or if I go the first Monday of the month, that's harder. Or every other Monday. Well, is it this Monday or is it the other Monday? Which Monday is it? I mean, it really depends on what your schedules are like. And some people, if they have, if they have like shifts, it's a nightmare to, to get any kind of schedule done. But you have to get it in stone. This is when we're playing, and then this is when we're playing, and then this is when we're playing. And what you're saying is, weeks in advance you should know when you're playing is ideal. Absolutely. I have a schedule that was three months for role-playing, because we were playing every three weeks, and that's very difficult to visualize, but I have the dates. I know where they are. I have them put in my scheduler, and though there they are. That way I can know I can't do anything else that day. Uh, for me, planning stuff in advance, especially coming up to Christmas, seeing my wife, I, I don't know if I can do this thing with your friends on that day. Or then maybe I say, well, yes, I will. And then somebody goes, oh, we actually wanted to play on that, that day. Well, I said, well, you didn't tell me. We didn't. It, this is, you tell me two days in advance. Yeah, it doesn't That's work. no, doesn't work anymore. I planned this day already. I have this time set aside. You need to plan sooner. Yeah. And, it, and there's some people who, who don't have the ability to plan sooner. Uh, time management is a critical skill in adult life. Uh, get it. If you just kind of do everything at the last minute, you're living a very chaotic life, and if that's great for you, that's too bad. Uh, and that's a value judgment, and I'm giving it. People who don't plan their time effectively are bad people. And, and I should be put into camps. And I've done the... I, <laughs> too far? Probably uh, too far. Probably too far. Uh, <laughs> time camps. Uh, planning, uh, it shorten it. Like planning where you're just planning off the cuff. You will find, and I found this, you're planning for three weeks in advance, two, three weeks in advance, because you can no longer find a time within the couple days, with, even within a week anymore, because nobody has that same schedule matching up, because they've already scheduled, scheduled that time already. The further ahead of you in the future you go, and, the more openings there and, becomes. And this speaks to people and says, if you're able to schedule and make plans for stuff for the next couple of weeks, can't you do that for gaming as well? But it's just a game. And that's usually what ends up happening, right? 
well, yeah, but this would be gay. Well, bullshit is what I say. We feel pretty passionate about that. I'm uh, uh, all yeah. flustered here, so... So let's, little, let's, <laughs> let's move on. So we talked about a lot of social expectations within this, and we actually want to, we will be doing the next podcast, episode eight will be about that. I think we'll talk about more in depth in this stuff. We've actually quite heavily talked about some of the aspects of this. Yeah, uh, I've talked around it a lot. I've been trying to stop myself, but uh, some stuff I feel so strongly about, I've got really worked up. Yeah, so be re- for time, be, again, I think most of this comes down to be respectful be considerate. Communicate. I think one of the things with what we've been talking about time is is let people know you should have a method of communicating with your other players, uh, whether it's a phone system of some kind, like everyone calls each other, or email, which is vastly better because you have a paper trail of what's going on, forums. Communicate. You have to communicate what's going on, and you have to be on top of that communication, something you check every single time. Facebook is a good example, too. The group stuff in Facebook is great if people actually check it. It is not bad, except for people aren't part of Facebook. Yes. And they you decide not to be part of Facebook, yeah. then there's other things you can do. There's some really neat stuff in, uh, in, in Google as well, like some of the Google applications are great, using a combination of Google Documents, Gmail, uh, the, the email system, and uh, there's a scheduler system that's in Gmail. You can actually give people dates and stuff to keep, them, to keep track of. It's free. You don't have to buy a, a log book or a schedule book. Go and get an Gmail account. It's fucking free. And many of us have girlfriends, wives, other, other significant others in our life. Families. And people we live with. If all of us has Google Docs and all of us put input our schedule in there, my wife could take a look and go, oh, he games on Monday nights. It reminds her, lets her know. Even though she knows, she might forget. And she can see all my scheduled times. And then she can go, oh, that means he has Thursday free. I will now schedule something for Thursday. And I, she will say, just double check, you're free Thursday, we will do go see these two people. I go, that sounds great, wonderful, let's do it. Every Monday, I write my plan for the week and I send it to my roommates who, uh, who are like a second family. My roommates and I do this every single Monday morning. This is what's happening this week. Sometimes we go, we go two weeks as well, but we just want to, even though we may have talked about it, we have it in stone. This is what's happening. Here is what's happening every single day. This is where I'm going to be. This is, generally speaking, what I'm doing. That plan for the week just lets us know comings and goings, who's here, who's not here, just so we can keep things in, 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 in terms of the household organized. And that is a simple thing to do in the morning. This lets people know who live in the same space as you if you require that space. So, they, so they're not either, either A, you, they're okay with you using the space, or so that... time helps space. Yes. In fact, that is true, because if I plan through email, let's say, a day beforehand to have D&D at my house, and I say, oh, hey, by the way, wife, I am going to be playing D&D tomorrow night. She's like, well, I invited four other people over, or didn't you check the Google Docs? Or it might happen. I'm not saying she wouldn't do that. She would tell me in advance as well. But, or maybe I forgot. They're like, oh, I forgot to check that. Oh, we have something planned. Or maybe she just wants a friend over, because that can happen. Yeah, and, and you have to share that space. And you know. now space is being shared. Uh, which causes distractions. So planning in advance, which is time, scheduling your space. And, of course, you have to spend time to learn. I tried to tie them all together. That was terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think we will uh, end that segment here. Yeah, let's let's finish it up. That is the barriers to play. Learning, space, and time. If you like this show, come on over to RPGpodcast.com where you'll find dozens more great role-playing podcasts.
All right, well, we uh, seem to have gotten to the end of the episode, and it's already 41 minutes or so. We think we're going to push the free market review to the next the next episode. That was so, going to be our hope. Uh, we were talking about scheduling and time, and, <laughs> well, thing is, we know you'll listen next time. It's just, we'll just tease you in the fact that we're going to talk about free market next episode. And then you can expect episode 9 to be social expectations. So, next episode, free market, we're going to get that out. Episode 9, Social Expectations. And then, then, Episode 10, which will be, we'll have a little party Ooh. for, because hitting Episode 10 is insanity. I didn't even think we'd ever do it. I mean, we were able to keep that at this long. Uh, we have to do it's something. Like milestone. Ten, it's man. like being 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. And you get a toy truck or something. I don't know. What do you put 10 years old? I guess not really. Uh, a super soaker, maybe? No, because if you're 10 years old, you'd, you'd be able to, like, be able to pass off being 13 and start getting your first mature-rated games. I don't know. It was a pretty emotional episode. I don't remember getting this worked up in any other episode. Uh, I really, uh, I really take that time shit pretty seriously. I uh, should probably evaluate that a little bit, but it's, you know, it's, it's it, when you get burned. I think you get burned and uh, yeah. sticks in your fucking craw. But all in all, I think we talked about some really good stuff. I think that the three most important barriers we had there definitely something uh, you should be aware of. As we were talking about, we are excited about free market. We are looking forward to, we have ideas. Uh, the concept of the game is great. We'll talk a bunch about that next episode. And hopefully we'll be able to play a full game one day soon, which John has hopeful puppy dog eyes, which I... Tomorrow, maybe? That would be lovely. If we could play free market tomorrow, that would be... That would make my day. It would make my day, too. Put your pants up, girl, you got legs like shotguns. Music from You Can Hack It is by Buck65. You can get it free from his website.